morning, we're talking about our hot messes in life. Uh, and so we're going to read first from Matthew chapter 16. Uh, that's our, our reading this morning, Matthew 16, 24 through 27. I'll have uh, plenty more scripture for you throughout the message, but this is the one I want to start with. It goes like this. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. So, uh, Hot Mess series. This, this series was inspired by you guys because we did a vision meeting uh, back, man, when was that? Was that January we did or December last year? It's been a minute. Uh, as, my, as my seven-year-old says, I've slept since then. Uh, I don't know why she says that. I don't know where she picked that up at. Uh, but, uh, so, anyways, we did a vision meeting and we talked about who do we want to be? What kind of people do we want to be? And one of the answers on our board was, we're going to be a hot mess together. <laughs> and I thought, man, what a great way to describe people who have their own stuff. We all bring our own stuff, our own baggage, our own issues, and then we come together. And for some reason, when the church comes together, we always expect, because I'm in church, I'm now made perfect, and I'm done, <laughs> right? So we, it's like we check the baggage at the door, and we pretend it doesn't exist anymore. But church is at its best when we're helping each other go through some of that baggage to get less baggage, <laughs> Because you can't have abundant life if you do your whole life carrying around all your baggage. You get tired fast. <laughs> so this series, we decided to look at some of those hot messes in our lives, what things cause a lot of issues. And last week, Pastor Bobby brought us a whole message on our family, the hot mess that is our family. Now, if you, don't, uh, if you did not resonate with that, <laughs> with that message, you're like, my family is great, uh, good for you, uh, I'm not in that camp right? I got some hot mess in my family. And to be honest, most of the families I've ever met had a little bit of hot mess going on, right? There was always the, the aunt or the uncle that comes to the family function. You know, I don't know. Because of that, for some of you, last week's message was very personal because you struggle greatly with the hot mess in your family. Maybe even that's most of you. But I want to note this uh, before we get into this week's. Because these messages that, that we're preaching in this series, they come from personal experience. When we preach in this series, we're preaching to ourselves first. <laughs> right? I got some, some family hot mess of my own. Pastor Bobby has her own hot messes. We all have our own hot messes. And every week is going to be the same. We are going to preach to the things that we were working on too. And I want you to know that because these topics can get really personal and they hit home in such a way it can be easy to feel like the pastor is calling you out, but the pastor has it all figured out. We don't. I wish we did, but we don't. Right? That's, that's how we know what to preach on. Right? If we're struggling with it, somebody else must be too. Make sense? Yes? I mean, I got other response parts in this message. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need you to... Does it make sense? Yeah, there we go. Good. Uh, so, this week, this week, we are going to continue to step all up in your business, and we're going to talk about your schedule. <laughs> now, 
we can all agree, I think, that we live in a busy culture, all right? It's a very busy culture. In fact, we even have a name for it now. Did you know that? We call it the hustle culture. <laughs> and it's, it's not just distinctly American. There are other countries, too, mostly uh, us in Europe, uh, where hustle culture is kind of the thing. It's this idea that, that the longer and harder you work, the more successful you'll be. We even, we even have a, a subcategory that we call a side hustle because the normal hustle isn't enough. <laughs> we got hustles on hustles. Doesn't that make sense? Here's my problem. I think, I think that all of this hustle culture is hustling us. <laughs> yes? Anybody else agree? Hustle culture does not only apply to our work environments because most of us think of it as work. Right? When we think of that, it's, I go to work, I work hard, I work all day, and I'm going to have something fulfilling to come for it. But, but hustle culture, that idea of just our work, it doesn't account for all the other parts of our lives that are even more important than our careers. Right? We have, many of you have a spouse that you need to love and cherish. You're driving kids to practices and games. We're babysitting grandkids. We're trying to keep our vehicles on the road. We're trying to have friendships that are vibrant and life-giving. We serve in the church and in the community. We have hobbies we would like to like to think keep us sane, and yet they just add more to our schedule. How is any of that considered winning? How can that kind of life be considered winning when we're constantly running and running and running? We go to bed tired. We wake up tired. Our culture, the world we live in, idolizes busyness. We think that the people who are the most busy must be the most successful. <laughs> but our culture, we, our culture is often talked about in, in, the, in the idea of lenses, right? Like you wear glasses. And so our culture is, is, is its own pair of glasses. And so when we're looking through the culture, we go, yeah, this looks right, right? Everyone wakes up tired. Everyone goes to bed tired. This is what's normal, <laughs> And through the lens of our culture, that's true. But when we think of hustle culture from the lens of a Christian, as people who are striving to be like Jesus, we have to take off the cultural lenses and put on those of Jesus. Right? Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So he says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. In other words, just because the world says this is the way it works doesn't mean it actually is the way this works. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the way that you see the world. So let's, let's, let's practice a little bit this morning, all right? Let's, let's think about Jesus, right? If we're supposed to look through the Jesus lens, we're going to look at our, our life through the Jesus lens. Let's think about Jesus for a moment, all right? I want you to, I want to invite you, just take a little adventure with me here, all right? I want everybody, I know, it's, it's the thing you always hate to hear. I want everybody to close your eyes, all right? Close your eyes. Don't worry, I'm not going to get payback for two weeks ago. It's going to be fine. Just close your eyes. Now, the first thing I want you to do is this. With your eyes closed, I want you to take a deep breath and intentionally clear out all those thoughts that are in your head for just a moment, all right? Clear out all that stuff you're thinking about that you have to get done later. 
clear out the things that you're, you're wondering where the world is this guy going, clear all of those out. Now, I want you to do this. Picture Jesus. Okay, there's no, there's no right or wrong way to picture Jesus. Just picture Jesus in his natural habitat. Okay, so, so keep your eyes closed. This is your default picture of Jesus. The first thing that you think of when somebody says Jesus. Now, with your eyes still closed, you're picturing Jesus. I want to invite some brave souls who are willing to just say that out loud, all right? I got a couple of questions about your picture of Jesus. Here's my first one. I want to know, what is Jesus doing in your default picture of him? When you close your eyes and you picture Jesus, what's he doing? Skipping rocks? Sitting on the beach? Opening your arms? Yep. Smiling? Preaching? How about this one? Is anybody with him other than you? And this is, this is the last one, and I really do want you guys to offer up some thoughts here. How do you feel? How does it make you feel? When you imagine Jesus, how do you feel? Peace? Calm? All right, open your eyes. One more question. Show of hands, how many of you have a default picture of Jesus that has Jesus hustling? Yeah, none of you. <laughs> uh, it's like I knew I already knew the answer to that, right? Why is that? Why is it that when we think of Jesus, we never think of Jesus as being too busy? It's because Jesus didn't hustle, <laughs> right? I, 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 I was reminded this week, uh, if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, I, I love the Lord of the Rings, and, uh, and there's a great quote from Gandalf the Grey, and uh, I like to think that Jesus takes the same attitude as Gandalf the Grey. He says that, uh, for him, he's a wizard. So he says, a wizard is never late, nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. This is what I thought of when I thought of Jesus, because I thought Jesus was always exactly where he meant to be, when he meant to be there. He was never hurried. He was never rushed. You're talking about a guy who didn't, who didn't even start into ministry until he was 30 years old. <laughs> Jesus lived with intention. And that allowed him to live in peace. Now, you might be thinking, okay, yeah, sure, but that's Jesus, right? Jesus is perfect. <laughs> and originally, this was the part of the message where as of Saturday morning, this was the part of the message I was going to venture into all the reasons that we're too busy, all the reasons we choose busyness, and how they contradict Scripture. And you were going to be so convicted by your busyness, so convicted. Then yesterday I was praying over this message, and, and God corrected me. Because <laughs> as, as I was praying over this message, as I was going over it again yesterday, Holy Spirit placed this thought up on my head. People already know they're too busy. They don't need convinced that they're too busy. What they need is to hear a way out of the busy. <laughs> See, I was going to offer you up all these thoughts and convince you that your life is way too hectic and you should slow down. But the thing is, most of you already know that. 
Most of you already know that life is just, it's crazy. And we've either accepted it as normal because we don't know how to get out of it. We don't know that there's another way at all. But we know that Jesus wasn't busy. He wasn't hurried. And when we think about that, we feel bad even even if just a little bit about our own busyness. I just can't figure out how to get out of this cycle of being controlled by my calendar. So I prayed, and I said, okay, God, if you're going to tell me to scrap two-thirds of what I wrote for this week, you're going to need to tell me what else to write. <laughs> uh, how do we get out of the hustle? I've got three paths for you this morning, three paths uh, that came from that chat with God, three paths out of busyness. The first one is this, and none of these will probably be surprising to you, but they're worth saying this morning. The first one is this, you have to prioritize. In Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42, you'll find the story of Mary and Martha. Now, the synopsis of this story is, is what I'll give you this morning. You can go read it if you'd like. But Jesus is essentially, he's eating at the home of Martha with her and her sister Mary, and Mary is seated at Jesus' feet, and she's soaking in all she can with him while Martha is busy preparing the home. And Martha is angry that her sister would not help her in the house. And Jesus kind of kindly corrects her perspective by saying, Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. See, notice here, Jesus doesn't say that, that cleaning the house and getting things around is a bad thing. <laughs> he says that, that Mary has chosen what is better. And that's where a lot of us struggle in our schedules is we have a million things we're doing that are good things. And we struggle to figure out which ones are the better things. Which ones are the more important things? What things should be prioritized? Because there are things that you can do that are better than other things. And in Matthew 6.33, Jesus words it this way. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. See, it's about priorities. He says, what are you seeking first? Not just what are you seeking in general, what are you seeking first? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. He says, choose what is better. Busyness does not lead to righteousness, nor is the kingdom built on hustle. Now, I say that because I've seen whole churches fall into this trap. It's not just you and I that fall into the trap of busyness. Right? Whole churches will fill up the calendar with events and classes and carry-ins and meetings, and they think that they're accomplishing something. And yet the church continues to die. And they think, well, how can we be dying? We're doing a million things. The calendar's full. It's because they've bought the lie of hustle culture, which is that the more you do, the more successful you are. <laughs> We've carried it into the church. We focus too much on doing more things instead of on doing better things. <laughs> See, sometimes we just need to hear that we're not going to die if our entire chore list does not get done today. <laughs> but we might if the stress of our busyness takes a toll on our health. Your kids are not going to be behind or less than other kids because they're not playing a sport or two every season. But they will be if we haven't prioritized the kingdom and the righteousness in them. 
we have to learn to prioritize what things must get done and what things can wait. How many hours do we really need to work to take care of our home? Do you really need the overtime at the cost of missing memories with family? Those are hard questions to ask. They're hard questions to answer sometimes, especially when you are working the overtime and you're still barely making ends meet. How do I prioritize? You know, I thought of, I thought of my dad this week. My dad is a, a great example of how priorities can shift. See, since I was little, my dad has worked uh, in, in mobile home factory and then the RV factory since I was a kid. And it's hard work being on the line in those places, uh, but it's even harder when you're in the slow season. I remember, I remember those 2008, 2009 seasons. <laughs> you get a month off at Christmas, two weeks for random holidays, and three-day work weeks even when you do work. <laughs> and back then, my dad was working to support three children, and we barely got by. We did get by, but we got by, barely. Those three-day work weeks and extended time off were rough because the priority was I need to make as much as I can. But we're all adults now, right? My, my, uh, my youngest sibling is going to turn 30. We're all adults now. We have our own jobs, our own families. We've moved out. My dad's still working the RV jobs, but guess what? He loves three-day weeks. Because his mentality at this point in his life is not, I need as much as I can get. His mentality is, I need as much as I need, and I have other ways I'd rather spend my time. (laughs) I have enough. In fact, he joked with me a couple of weeks ago when I was on the phone with him. He said, I've already told my boss that if we ever go back to five days a week, I'm quitting. (laughs) That's good money. I don't know if you know that, five days a week, that's good money. (laughs) But it's also more work, more energy, less time to do the things he likes to do. It changes his schedule because his priorities are different. So we all have to figure out what our priorities are. What is it that is most important in our lives? And we need to do those things first. The second thing we have to do is this. Our second path is we have to trust. Because it becomes a lot easier to prioritize things when we also trust God. In that verse in Matthew 6, it says that it's his kingdom in his righteousness that we're seeking. His, meaning that it belongs to him. He oversees it. The Lord oversees his kingdom and his righteousness. Now, a few weeks ago, uh, in our series on giving, we talked about God as a sustainer, and uh, that God sustains all, all of us by providing everything that we need. But did you notice that this kingdom and righteousness verse from this morning comes from that exact same passage that we looked at a few weeks ago? Right? Because the expanded passage in Matthew 6 talks about the flowers of the field. He says they don't labor or spin, and yet Solomon in all of his splendor were not dressed like one of these. So he says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear, what you're going to drink. He says the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. You see the priority there, right? We just talked about prioritizing things. There's priority there. We prioritize the Lord and the rest of these things come in. He says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. See, we covered trusting the Lord in our finances back then. But I want to encourage you to extend that trust to your schedule this morning. Because if the Lord can ensure we have enough to eat and drink and wear... 
Surely the Lord will ensure that what needs to be done will be done, whether you do it or I do it or somebody else does it. Solomon wrote in Psalm 127, verse 2, one of the most convicting verses I've ever read about my schedule. He says this, It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. He says, It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep sleep. <laughs> what if we ended each day at a normal hour? We thanked the Lord for what we were able to accomplish, and we gave to Him in prayer everything that we couldn't get accomplished. And then we just went to bed. <laughs> After all, it says He gives to His beloved sleep. Jesus slept right through a hot mess one time. Do you guys know that? There's a story in the Gospels where a literal storm comes up, and Jesus uh, is on this ship with his disciples, and he is snoring right through it. Until his disciples get all worked up, and they wake him up, and he rebukes them for what? For not having faith, for not trusting. <laughs> One of the big points I was going to hit on before I, we, we, before I reworked this was the idea that a lot of times the reason that our schedules are so nuts is because we don't trust that the Lord or anybody else is going to take care of the rest of it. If I don't do it, who's going to do it? So we have to have priorities. We have to prioritize our schedules. We have to trust. We have to trust God. I would even venture to say we have to trust our, our, the other people in our lives, our spouses, our coworkers, to come alongside us. And those are the first two. But this third one, I venture to guess, will be one of the hardest ones for most of you. Because the third thing you have to do is you have to be willing to say no. This one, for some reason, is difficult for Christians. We know that all Jesus did and taught was about loving our neighbors and caring for others, and we think that that means we have to say yes to everything that even closely resembles something Jesus would do. We even feel like we have to, to justify or have some reason in order to say no to anything. I mean, right? Think about it. Somebody, somebody invites you to do something with them. You don't really want to do it. The first thing in your head is, what's my excuse? Because I can't just say no. <laughs> well, no, because I have this, this, or this. No, because of this, or no. When did our culture become that way? When did we become a, a, a people that we can't just say, no, I can't come, and that's good enough? <laughs> Here's something we have to remember when we talk about saying no. Every yes to one thing is a no to something else. All right, let me say that again. Every yes to one thing is a no to something else. When you say yes to another meeting or another after-school activity, you're saying no to something else. When you say yes, you have to then say no. Uh, Matthew 5.37 is a verse that in our home gets quoted pretty frequently, uh, and I don't even know how this started, but uh, it, it gets quoted all the time in our house, and it says this. It says, let your yes be yes and your no, no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. All right, now this verse is in the context of making promises, right? Busy schedules often break promises, by the way. Have you noticed that? 
Jesus says that you don't need to make you don't need to promise things because your yes should be solid enough that you don't need to make a promise. That when you say yes, you're going to do it. Just saying yes is the promise. But I want to point out something in this verse that you probably read right over, and it's that you have permission and even an expectation from Jesus to say no. Right? It doesn't just say let your yes be yes. It says let your yes be yes and let your no be no. See, the problem is not that we say no to things. We're allowed. We're allowed to say no to things. Our problem is we're not good at saying no to the right things. We're constantly saying no to the wrong things, and we're always saying yes to everybody else. You have permission to say no to things that do not line up with your priorities that you worked on in step one. (laughs) Now, I would bet that many people's schedule mess, the reason our schedule looks like a mess, is because we haven't figured out how to say no. Sometimes it means declining to participate in events when you really want to because you've already been gone most of the week and you just need some rest. Sometimes it means setting your phone on a shelf when you get home from work, saying no to anyone who might think they need you in the next hour so that you can have time with your spouse and your kids. Sometimes it means taking that vacation time even when you feel guilty because your job really needs you. See, these no's, when they're lining up with your priorities and with the priorities of God, are your way of saying yes to God's way of living. When you say yes to God and to His priorities, you have to learn to say no to anything else. That one's hard. (laughs) So our three paths out of busyness this morning are to prioritize, to trust, and to say no. And we've all got something in those categories that we need to work on this week, I am 100% sure. I want you to say yes to working on your schedule, considering your priorities, trusting in God, and permission to say no when needed. I'm telling you, these three things, it will change your life. It will change the way that, that your schedule dictates your life. Because I've been in those seasons, right? And it always feels like a season. This is the trap of busyness. Busyness always feels like a season. I don't know how many times I have told my wife, if we can just get through the next two weeks, if we can just get through the next month, and then, you know what, that next month comes, and it's, if we could just get through three more days. And it's just this cycle over and over and over again. So we have to prioritize and trust and say no. Let me pray. God, sometimes our schedules get the best of us. My goodness, it's so (laughs) overwhelming sometimes. But God, we know that that in your word you rest and you bring peace and and you say that, that your yoke is light and easy and you bring rest and you give sleep. There's all these words about taking time off and, and recovering and God Man, we are so bad at finding it on our own. Maybe that's why your word says that you give it to us. <laughs> because we can't find it. So God, this week, as we think about our schedules, as we think about our priorities, our trust, 
And whether or not we're saying yes or no, God, we pray that you would be active in, our, in those decisions. That if it's our priorities that we need to get in alignment, God, I pray that you would help us to do that. If it's our trust in you that's lacking, God, I pray that you would, you would build that trust with us this week. And if it's this permission to say no that we've struggled with, God, I pray that you would help us to say no to the places that need no so that we can prioritize the ones that need us most. So be with us this week, Lord, as we look to, to, to rein in our schedules and to line them up with your will and your heart. In Jesus' name, amen.